0: I'm Steven. And I'm Kevin. In today's episode of The Steven and Kevin Show, we're going to talk about how long it takes to close a prospect.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Episode number 68 of The Steven and Kevin Show. Today we're going to be talking about how long it takes to close a prospect. This is the Casual Friday version of the Stephen and Kevin Show. I was going to
0: say this is Cash Friday. Look, you've probably never seen us uh, recording on a, on a Friday, and it's a it's a newer policy that we uh, we rolled out not too long ago.
1: Uh, yeah, you could say that. The, the Oxley Institute has been around since 1978, <laughs> and our first Casual Friday was. Uh, mm-hmm. About two weeks ago, so
0: yeah, and uh, you know it's nice. It's actually nice. It's funny because because we've I mean I've done it for ten years, always always dressed up for work every day, and you've done it for what um, thirteen years, and I always forget in the morning, but it's always a nice surprise in the morning.
1: See, no, because not for me, because I'm like it's a no-brainer for just general workwear. You mm-hmm. just go right in. It's like habitual. Huh. Now it's like oh, what do I wear? It's like casual, but not really. Yeah, well, Kevin and I were on two different sides of this Casual Friday argument. He finally won out, and we got Casual Friday. But my my impression was always like, you I, you know Friday or not, I want everybody's head in the game, not in the weekend. In the game for Friday, yeah. And if you're dressed casually, if you're dressed for the weekend, is your head in the weekend a little bit? You and I'm on the bit.
0: side of like, hey, let's do like fun little things
1: so that uh, so that people working here enjoy it. You know, the whole, <laughs> that whole work satisfaction totally overrated, but no, I digress. It has, See, it has been nice. In the summer, especially, it's like 100 degrees outside, and yes. it's been nice to wear short sleeves. So. All right, so um, before we get
0: started today, we, we had planned to shoot an episode around Father's Day. So we were going to open up with some dad jokes, and I was really pumped up about the idea of doing some, some kind of corny dad jokes to start it off, but we never shot one. And I'm not letting that idea die. I really, I I told Stephen, I was, I really want to do some dad jokes this
1: morning. You're like that person in conversation who, you're like, hey, there was really something funny I had to say to interject a while back. I didn't get it out. Can I get it out now?
0: Yeah. And I said, Stephen, well, you have dad jokes prepared too. And he's like, I don't have any dad jokes. So I was like, well, let me at least tell my dad jokes. All
1: right. Let's hear Okay,
0: Drum roll, please. Now, first off, you have not heard me in the office talking about my dad (sighs) jokes to anyone else, right? For
1: for the record, no, I've not heard these dad jokes. So my reactions to these will be... What they
0: are. So I did go around the office and I, you know, I tested out some of these dad jokes all on right. some employees. And these are some of the best ones. Are you ready? <clears throat> all right. First one here is: well, do you want to hear a, a joke about a piece of paper? Sure. Never mind. It's it's terrible.
1: That Was that the joke?
0: <laughs> yes, it was great. It's terrible. You get it? It's a piece of paper? Terrible. Oh, got it. I'm all like, okay, whoa. Okay. All right. Good this, one. That's good. Here's, here's another one. Um, what is Beethoven's favorite fruit? I don't know. Uh <laughs> that's pretty good. That's that's pretty That's pretty good. That was that was a winner. And here's my the final one that was a winner um when I tested it out amongst the co-workers here was what does an angry pepper do? An angry pepper? I don't know. It gets jalapeno in your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's laugh. pretty good that yeah was a good all right that's cool. good the first one i don't, I didn't get the first one but first the other one, two yeah. i love the jalapeno face one that one that one's just gold oh, all man. right and
1: classics thank you kevin
0: for bringing Great. some levity to this friday you are welcome. well hey
1: getting down to business here short sleeves and jokes aside uh today's topic we're going to be talking about how long should it take to close a prospect and why kevin might you say something like this is important well, if you understand
0: how the affluent, you know, go about selecting an advisor throughout that sales process, well then you can customize your entire pipeline management process for the averages, right? So that you know that you're, you're um, in, in general, you're going to be um, covering your bases there. So like if I'm, for example, let's say that I, I decide my process is four or five me- or three or four meetings that I'm finding out that it's actually different. A lot of the affluent will select you within two meetings. Maybe I need to adjust things a little bit. I think sometimes we can get too stagnant in the way that we go about our sales process. And when you know the numbers, well, you should probably make some adjustments.
1: Yeah. So uh, one of the first questions we asked was how many other advisors did you consider before engaging your financial advisor? Now, you might think that the affluent
0: are doing a lot of due diligence here. But when you take a look at our research, it says the
1: opposite. Well, it shows you that they pretty much had somebody in mind when they engaged this advisor. Uh, The number one answer on this one was that they didn't consider any other advisors. 39% of these respondents said, you know, I had that advisor in mind, and I chose them, and we went forward.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, 23.9%, so 24% said one other advisor, and then 22% said two, and then it just falls off the map from there. So
1: This isn't a search where they say, I'm going to line up all of the best financial advisors in town. I'm going to interview them all. We're going to go through the – you know, the the basic, you know, dog and pony show here. Yeah. And I'm going to decide. They basically said, yeah, you know, I have known Kevin through social involvement or Kevin came highly recommended by my brother or my accountant. Kevin's the guy. Let's yeah, meet, I right? think
0: that's it. It speaks to word of mouth
1: influence. Yeah, it yeah. really does. Okay. Second question was, how many times did you meet with this advisor in person before engaging their services? This was interesting too. Um, Number one answer was One once. time. One time. Um, Followed very very closely by the way, two. from having been in their office twice. Yeah. So, again, I I think it speaks to the familiarity they had with this advisor because you're not if you've got significant wealth, which the people in this survey did, you you know you don't take make decisions like this lightly. It speaks to the fact that they knew this person pretty well. They came and met with them in their office to to get a better understanding of the process once, maybe twice, mm-hmm. but it didn't go on and on and on and on.
0: That's right. You know, uh, t- to me, it speaks. if you're thinking about it from a practical uh, application standpoint as an advisor, you need to be flexible with your process. So, and you need to be doing checks throughout the meeting. So if I'm, if I'm in a meeting with you and I'm asking you about you know, how you're feeling about everything that we're talking about and you're saying, oh, really good, you might be ready to close at that point. You might be ready to go to the next step as opposed to – and I've seen some advisors do this where they say, well, look, now I want you to go home. I want you to think about it. Right like they won't, they won't make any, a decision right then and there, even if someone is ready to go, and according to our research, the majority here, you know, what seventy percent are saying within two meetings, they're pretty much ready to make that decision.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't mean you won't run across somebody occasionally who, who really goes all out in their analysis. And they want to meet with you multiple, multiple times, yeah, but it's, it's the exception to the rule.
0: Actually, adding up the numbers, it's seventy what seven percent are basically saying that they're after two meetings they're ready to move.
1: Yeah. And I think, Kevin, to your point about, you know, some people will soft sell it at the end of, hey, we'll go home, think about it. Mm -hmm. I think even more common than that is when you have, let's say that we put a lot of time and thought into our prospecting process and how many meetings, this is the discovery, this is the... The, um, the the planning. This is mm-hmm. the implementation, and we have all these things already kind of mapped out. And we stick close, too close to that. We make too big of a deal about it, which decreases the fl- flexibility that we can have with a client. Yes, if you've really hyped up this process of going from here to here to here to here, then you kind it's of, a lot you harder have to, to adhere say, to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, a lot harder to say after meeting number one or two, "All right, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, ready to get started when the when the time strikes."
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I like that. So, next question we asked the affluent was. How long did you contemplate working with this financial advisor before engaging them? So how long did you contemplate? How long did, did, did you have to really think about it before you decided that, hey, I'm, I'm going to engage with them? This was, was really interesting to me, to me too. And the number one answer is, Stephen?
1: Within a month, yeah. uh, followed pretty closely by within a week. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at the vast majority of people have made that decision within a month of, of meeting with you. Yeah. Right. Isn't that interesting? Well, so I, when you, yeah, uh, when you, uh, uh, when you, when you look at all this together, Kevin, one of the things that comes to mind for me is like, you know, when you talk to people about uh, marketing, which we do every day, it's a big part of what we do every day. We talk to people about their, their, their growth and marketing and you will almost every day hear somebody say, well, if you get them into my office, I'm going to close them. Right. And this data says, well, duh.
0: <laughs> well, it kind of does, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, because in general, they're not going, you're not going up against a bunch of other advisors, right? They make a decision actually pretty darn quickly.
1: Right? Yeah, they, they've decided a lot of this before ever coming into your office is what I, what I gather. Yeah. Oh, and right. so when they come highly recommended by somebody else, they come into your office. Unless you totally blow it, they're more than likely going to engage with you because they're not interviewing everybody and their brother.
0: Going back to that other side about how long did you contemplate working with this advisor before you engaged with him? You know, and that the majority of them are saying, hey, within a month, to me, this speaks to that um, old adage of time kills deals. Right? Mm-hmm. And that if the sales process drags on and on and on and on, the further it drags on, I mean, they, the likelihood of them becoming a client diminishes more and more and more. So you need to figure out a way to have that first meeting or second meeting or even if you do three meetings, whatever it might be, you need to do it quickly. Right, you, you, in a in a in a nice way, you have to push the sales process along. Uh, don't don't let it drag out.
1: Yeah, people, you know, when, when uh, going back to that. Uh the the other survey question that we had about what led you to look for another financial advisor. When somebody gets in the mode of that, you want to capitalize, because yeah. it doesn't last forever, right? Yeah. That level of energy that got them out of their out of their seat to call a new financial advisor to make a move, that energy fades over time. That's true. Right. You've got to get them into that first meeting to the next to the next in a really tight fashion, and so we don't want it to come across as though you're forcing the sales cycle, that you're being pushy because we know that's a turnoff. But at the same time, you want to keep things tight as, as, as you possibly can.
0: So that kind of segues perfectly right into this last uh, the last question we asked the affluent. And that was, how would you classify your financial advisor sales process? Too persistent, 8%. Just persistent enough, which was the number one answer, 69%. So most of them said, hey, we feel like our advisor was just persistent enough. Now, what do you think, Stephen, makes an advisor come across as too persistent or salesy, which I know is a big concern for a lot of the advisors who are listening to the podcast. They don't want to come across as that salesy, hungry shark.
1: Yeah, it's been a few years since we've asked this question to the affluent, which was basically what what in your mind constitutes being salesy or too pushy? And what you find is that it's stuff that most of us avoid pretty naturally, which is over-aggressive follow-up, calling and emailing and texting too many times, not taking no for an answer. Stuff that most of us just like trying to overcome
0: objections. Yes, right.
1: What exactly do you need to think about? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Uh, And just badgering people, which is uh, most—it's not most of who you all are. Now, one of the things to take note of in that research question: How would you classify your financial advisor sales process? They are talking about their existing financial advisor. This is somebody that they thought highly enough to select. That's true. And so that's
0: a good point. It's not saying
1: overall that every advisor is just persistent enough. It's they're saying, saying the, the ones that I selected. Picked, was. Yeah, the one I actually yeah.
0: selected. So they actually thought highly of them. They liked them, and they well, said
1: they're just persistent enough. Yeah. Well, twenty one twenty one point six percent said this advisor was uh, not persistent. Basically, yeah. I'm tracking you down to do business with you. Right. Right. That's it's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's fixable. Well, it's it, interesting.
0: I think it all re, it all relates, and it speaks to just word of mouth, and you know, and, and that if you come in from some sort of recommendation the whole process is way quicker.
1: Well, yeah, exactly right. Think about it this way. I mean, most of these people, we didn't get into this data uh, in, uh, in today's podcast, but most of these people found their advisor by way of personal introduction from somebody they know, like their friend or their family member or their accountant or their attorney, or perhaps they knew them socially through community involvement. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different ballgame. If you were to analyze the smaller subset of the audience that found their advisor through Colder Techniques, Cold
0: calling, bet. seminars, yes. those types of things.
1: The data points would look a lot different here. It would take longer. There would be more meetings. There would be more proof needed. It just it changes the dynamic here. Uh, one of many reasons why we feel strongly that warm prospecting, relationship-based prospecting, is more effective. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I think a lot of this stuff is interesting, Kevin, as it, as it shapes – how long should it take you to get people through that pipeline? And when do you pull the plug on having somebody who's lingered in that pipeline for months and years? Get them out of there. Move yeah. them on.
0: Move them on. Move them into. And, and you know, if you've been listened to some of our other other podcasts, you'd probably move them into what we would call a periodic list, which is you're going to just touch base with them every now and then.
1: Right? Yeah, one of the things that we like most in our coaching is the ability to go through situationally. Uh, what do you do with a certain prospect? So today's lesson is something that we apply in a very practical fashion in our coaching. If, uh, if you haven't considered the coaching, do. It's, uh, it's highly effective. It's been around a long time and still growing rapidly for a reason. Because uh, it works, it helps you think more about your marketing and your practice management, and even more important than that, it helps you take action.
0: Well, think about this concept for a second. You're actually you're talking to a coach who spends their entire day talking to other financial advisors who are dealing with different sales scenarios, just like ones you're dealing with. And over time, they learn really what works and what doesn't.
1: Right? And it's really helpful to say, you know, I'm working on this prospect. She uh, does this for a living. Here's how I know her. Here's the interactions we've had so far. Um, where do I go next? Yeah, what's, my, what's our game plan? And it's not like the coach yeah. always has the perfect answer, but by talking through that and with their expertise in this area, you end up with a better game plan. Oh, without a doubt. So anyway, uh, fill out our consult form if you haven't done it yet. We'd love to have a call with you and talk more about the program. Thanks for joining everybody for episode number 68. We'll Thanks, be back everyone. soon. Thanks,